Holly G with the Golf Insiders. My very special guest today to break down a little turkey talk before our big holiday. One of the best in our business. He's the senior writer for Golf Week. Dot com for business. Adam Shupak joins me today. Hello, Adam. Hi, Holly G. Good to be with you. So let's talk about last week. The FedEx fall schedule wrapped up. The RSM Classic on Sunday and Ludwig Aberg. Boy, is this guy the real deal. Shooting 67, 64, 61, 61 to win by four shots over Mackenzie Hughes. What a game this guy's got. Well, first, let me correct you, and i got to tell you, I made the same mistake many a time before somebody corrected me, but it, his name is pronounced Ludwig Aubert. Aubert, so well. That, that A is actually an O. There's like a little, I don't even know what you call it, a little symbol over it, and... Uh, yeah, so it's Aubert. Well, well, with a name like Gagan with nine letters, I'm used to a name getting badly pronounced. So my me too, apo- me too. My apologies <laughs> to Ludwig, but uh, we got a little glimpse of his game in the Ryder Cup, and oh my goodness, uh, let's let's just talk about this uh, incredible uh, stretch he's had, turning pro in June, 14 events, two wins already. It's, it's uh, I mean, he's a sensation Swedish golfer who played college golf here at Texas Tech. I also <laughs> didn't make a mistake at first. Like, I, I, uh, I wrote, I, I had a brain fart and said he was at Texas A&M. It's Texas Tech. I had so many fans of the Red Raiders writing me and saying, hey, you, you messed this up. It was pretty funny. Um, but I talked to him about that, and he laughed. And I'll, I'll tell you, this guy, though, he's he's really got it all. He's the whole package. And we thought we really – we've been seeing it step by step. Uh, he was the number one ranked player uh, in in amateur golf when he turned pro, the first guy to get this PGA Tour U um, exemption where he he already had PGA Tour privileges for next season. And he went out he, he went out and he's been playing great. I mean he lost in a playoff at the Sanderson Farms right after uh playing at the Ryder Cup, which you know, figuring how exhausted he was, I thought he might not even play and then he goes out and, and nearly wins the thing and he, he's just been shooting some remarkable scores. He had already won on the D P World Tour and this was it was kind of a, a when, not if he's gonna win. And the way he did it, though, at RSM was remarkable, shooting a pair of 61s, tied the lowest 72-hole score in PGA Tour history. Um, Yeah, I think we better get used to saying this guy's name a lot because, you know, a lot of times we anoint someone after after one big win. But this guy, as as Mark Hubbard said to me, this guy's going to be a problem for us for a long time. (laughs) I love it. I love it. He's already in the top 50 of the official world golf rankings and cracked the top 60 in the FedEx Cup in just 11 starts. Pretty impressive. Yeah, I think he's the best young talent to come along since since John Rahm. John Rahm was kind of the same way. Didn't take him very long to show that he can do it. This, this you know, he's also, uh, Ludwig's also 24. He's not, uh, he's not Tom Kim winning at 19 or, or, or Jordan Spieth coming out of college or early. He's, he's had some some time to develop his game. And, and um, I think you know, another thing that really impressed me, he, he's uh, working with Peter Hansen, former Ryder Cupper, European Tour champion of, of uh, six tournaments, who is a Swedish golfer who's been there, done that. And so he's got someone 
who's traveling around with him, showing him the ropes, telling him, you know, what, how you have to do this. And Ludwig says he's listening to the guy, and it's, it's working. So he's got some, he's got a good mentor, and uh, he's he's getting ready to move. He's been living in uh, Lubbock, uh, but he's getting ready to move to Tallahassee. Won't be too far wow. down the road from either of us. Yeah, there's a little Swedish contingent growing there. He's going to be. He's going to be grabbing a room uh, with with Vincent Norman, another PGA Tour player who also won uh, earlier this year. So there's some good Swedish golfers coming along, and um, I think Oberg is going to be someone. He hasn't even played a major yet. How incredible is that? He's done all this already, and uh, the Masters will be his first major in April. Incredible. Well, speaking of uh, been there, done that, uh, he's doing it again. Adam Tiger announcing that he's going to play in the Hero World Championship next week. He's the host, and are, are we surprised? I don't think we're surprised. Are we that this is another comeback for Tiger? Yeah, I, I mean, I'll, I, will, I will believe it as soon as I land in Nassau and he's still playing in the tournament because I still have some PTSD from flying there last year landing and having him WD with the plantar fasciitis. So. Yeah, was right there. Was right there with you. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but no, this is great. This is great news. Just that he feels that he's ready to come back and, and give it another go. We haven't seen him, you know, since April, and, and he's had another surgery, and we, we don't really know too much about it other than we've seen some some uh, some videos of him. Uh, Walking, uh, you know, uh, caddying for for Charlie and, and and hitting a few golf shots here and there at some charity events that he's done. But so it, it's great that he's, he's he's often used that tournament as a, a launching pad to try to get ready for Augusta. Um, you know, he's the tournament host there, and and so it's super that he's uh, taking one of those exemptions. Going to be in that limited field and he's going to get four rounds and that's what we need to see how how does he do walking four rounds can he how does he look how does he I, I'm confident he's going to hit the ball pretty good that doesn't seem to be the problem when he plays it's just the the endurance and the you know just how how his legs are going to hold up um, the ankle everything and uh you know, it's a it's a waiting game, and and then it, just just earlier this morning, got a press release that he's going to play in the father son PNC Championship, which I I think was uh, the more obvious thing because there he can take a golf cart, he can let Charlie hit shots, um, and that but that's almost become his fifth major, and, and it's just I, I just love watching the two of them play, and every year Charlie's getting bigger and better, um, you know we've seen he's part of a high school championship golf team now and um, doing some pretty good things in the game. And, you know, I don't want to put too much pressure on him, but it just it's pretty cool that he's that he's loving it and, and having that, that bond through the game with his dad. Just it's so much fun to watch them, their mannerisms. I mean, if ever there was a, a true mini-me scenario, <laughs> it's so fun to watch. Yeah, you know, Albany Golf Club, not extremely hilly. Yeah, a tough, an easy walk. A tough walk, right, exactly. So uh, it'll be uh, very interesting to see how, how Tiger does there. Press conference is going to be great just to – just to see what he what he's going to have to say about his health, what he's going to what he hopes to do next year, and then you know getting into all the PGA Tour live stuff, uh, you know, uh, there's such a laundry list of things to talk to him about. I hope uh, 
I hope he doesn't uh, cut it off too quickly. Well, one of the things uh, which was also uh, breaking news of, a, of another sort was the fact that Tiger and Rory's TGL venture his post, has been postponed a year following the collapse of the Dome down in West Palm Beach, Adam? Yeah, they, they've been, they're building this incredible facility to to do, you know, that. And, and the goal was to start in January. They have a window from kind of January to almost leading up, I think, to the Masters where they felt they could do this, this team golf, um, you know, it was going to be very tech heavy in this, in this facility. And with the problem they had, they had postponed for a year. Honestly, though, I, I think this was, you know, they needed to be a little more, you know, think outside the box. I mean, they could, if you've got Tiger and Rory and, you know, some of the best players in the world committed to, to your time, you've got ESPN already, you know, let's just, you know, just go to uh, the nearest Top Golf and film them doing something. I mean, we could have, you've got, people would watch Tiger Woods, you know, clean his clubs for half an hour. Right. You know? So I, I don't, I think, I think this was a missed opportunity for one year. You know, you start you start without the facility and do something a little different, have some fun. I mean, yeah, it's an exhibition anyway, so I, I just think uh, postponing it is kind of disappointing. And John Rahm already backed out of, of was had already backed out prior to this happening for for next year, saying he didn't want to, didn't feel he had the time to commit to it. He's got right. two young kids. He's all the way in Arizona and the facilities in in Florida, whereas you know this thing, most of the guys were going to be able to just commute. From their homes, it was going to be very easy and convenient. Um, so we'll see. I mean, they give them an extra year to maybe um, work on this and figure out a, 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 the best way to do it. I mean, I have to say, I had no idea that they were building this custom arena on the campus of Palm Beach State College. I don't know if the John Q. Public has really gotten the full understanding of what this league is, how how the players are involved, and the fact that it is going to have primetime TV coverage. Yeah, I, I think it was, a, you know, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday is kind of a, a dark period for golf. And so to... I thought it was a great. I, I like the concept of having some, some, you know, live golf, and and to do it prime time. I think also made a, was a was a great idea. So I thought there, I think there is an opportunity here. I think it could really work, um, but I'm also not sure how sold these guys are going to be doing this. It, it isn't. I feel like it's an added thing that they're already feel like they're overtaxed and they're traveling so much, and then to have to come to do this thing on Monday nights, I, I wonder whether it's going to be around in 10 years. Like, I got to see it really, I got to see how it goes to know whether this is this has legs. But they've got some some really big-time investors who bought these quote-unquote franchises. And, uh, you know, so the, the, this thing, it, it, this is a, it's definitely a, a curveball they weren't expecting. But um, I think it is uh, one of the, better innovations coming along in golf and and I'm interested to see how it all goes down but we'll have to wait till 2025. It's interesting you mentioned they've sold some franchises. This was the ultimate concept behind Live Golf, right? That they would create these teams and have people investing in the these this team concept of golf which to this point has seemed to fail miserably. 
uh, with Liv. What's what's your take on on that? And um, you know, while we're talking about it, the Liv schedule was announced, and half the events will be outside the U.S. in 2024. Yeah, I, I, I you know I haven't been able to really get into the team concept behind Liv that much. I think it's it's a little complicated. At least the way they're they're presenting it, and and to me, this what, what Tiger was saying and Rory that you know we are we are clearly saying that this is an exhibition. What they're doing, I'm going to plan to do on Monday nights, is an exhibition. Whereas you know, Liv thinks they deserve world ranking points and stuff, and I think that's one of the big things. I'm not sure with this TGL concept if the whole idea of, you know, there's a team from Boston, there's a team from Atlanta, there's a team from L.A., and, and they've kind of pieced together some of the players that would, you know, naturally be represent those cities. So Keegan Bradley's on the Boston team. And, um, you know, I, I, I'm just not convinced that the people of Atlanta are really going to care about a team that has their city's name, but really just plays all their events in Florida. Right. I, I'm not sure. I, I'm not. It just doesn't. I don't feel like there's going to be that compelling. Like I need to root for the Boston team because I love Boston. I love the Boston Red Sox. I, I just don't think there's going to be that that sort of a connection. And um, it feels like they're le- they're leaning into that, and I'm, I'm not sure that's going to connect. But we'll see. The thing I like both best about this Holly is, is that. I felt like this was going to be the competitive juices for Tiger for the next couple of years. And then I really do think he's going to play some champions, some PGA Tour champions golf. And that the PGA Tour champions could be um, as popular as it was in the 90s if he really were to play, you know, if he's healthy enough to play 10 or 12 events. And, and um, I think that that's going to give a huge uh, boost to the, to the senior golf. And you might see if Tiger's out there, the senior tour getting ratings as good, if not better, than the PGA Tour. And that's going to be that's going to be interesting if that I, happens. I completely agree. So as I was mentioning, Tiger's got all these projects going on. Rory seems to be getting his thumbs in a lot of pies, too. And I'm wondering, do you think that was the impetus behind his sudden departure from the PGA Tour policy board? What's the scoop there, Adam? <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, I think one kind of inside baseball type thing is that, you know, he, whether it's through this TGL or other things, has partnered with um, the Fenway Sports Group, and, and they're involved in, as a, they're pitching to be one of these companies that want to uh, invest in the PGA Tour. And, you know, he, being if, he, if he's on the board, I think he probably needed to recuse himself from some of this anyway. So he, he maybe had too many conflicts of interest. And so I think, you know, Jordan Spieth had been previously on the board. I think I think Rory might have even replaced him. Um, pretty sure that's right. Uh, and so he, he's been part of this. He was involved in it all through COVID. And so he's not stepping into something that he doesn't – he's not familiar with. I, thought, I think the most important thing was whoever did take over needed to already have, uh, have been through some of this, have, have sat in these board meetings before because, you know, this is uh, going to reshape the future of the PGA Tour, the, the, the decisions that are made in the, in the months ahead and in, in this final year that, that Rory had. On the other hand, you know, it's easy to say you made a commitment, Rory, and you're, you're – you're, Given, you're kind of uh, 
you're kind of walking away at the most critical time. But I think it probably – that's why I think it probably does have something to do with um, just him having a few conflicts of interest and, and maybe not being the best guy to to, to vote on this for the, for the players. I've heard – this uh, not only spoken but read about the fact that the tour is talking to outside investors. We know that the framework agreement between Liv and the PGA Tour is supposed to, air quotes, be uh, finalized by the end of the year. Doesn't sound like that's going to happen. Uh, what, what's your latest take there? Yeah, I, can't, I don't think there's any chance it's going to get done by December 31st. Uh, I think they're going to need to extend or or that it's possible that they, you know, feel they have enough money from other sources um, and that the players want to, you know, go that direction. And, and we could get right back to, um, you know, these, the Live and, and PGA Tour going at it and, and, and a real battle for the next, you know, bunch of years to come. But, I, you know, I, th- I think it's it's pretty unclear still. I think they're making it up as they go along, and it it's, feels very day-to-day how things are, things are going and very fluid at the moment. But I, I think in the in December we're going to learn a lot more about, about how the direction it's going at least, um, and, and that will kind of drive how things – how things uh, move going forward. I just think it's probably going to have to take enough time to get into the next year because one of the things the players really want to get some of the governance and, and, uh, um, figured out first before they pull the trigger on how they want to, how much money do they need from from these other sources and, and, and how they plan to use it. There's, there's kind of two conversations happening. You're one of the guys out there on tour week to week for for Golf Week. What's your sense in terms of Jay Monahan, the commissioners, Maya Copa with the players? Where do things stand there since uh, Jay's been back and 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 visible again after his uh, you know leave of absence? I, I think he's got a an uphill battle trying to rebuild trust. I think that's going to be a difficult thing to do, and um, you know he needs to put a lot of energy into that because the players are are upset. I did I wrote a story from the RSM last week where I, I just kind of asked a very I could call it a softball question, but a very open ended question about you know what are the qualities that the tour should be looking for or the players should be looking for in a replacement for Rory and what you know whether it was Lanto Griffin who is definitely the most uh, outspoken or or Ryan Armour there's definitely uh, the players kind of took this and and they had a lot of feelings about how the how things are going and and what direction the tour needs to go in and overall it, it, the sense is that um everything's kind of being being done for the the, the top 20 top 50 in the world and, and they're not getting they're just uh, expected to show up and do all the pro-ams and uh, you know so there's there's so many different constituencies in this and so I, I think it's a really tough job in general be it the commissioner of the PJ Tour I mean you, you kind of have a bit of a monopoly obviously so there's, some, there's a lot of positives in you know a lot of things you can do in, in, in that position but boy I mean the phone calls that he must be getting and, and the work that he still has to do in, in the months ahead it's it's uh, no, no it, it's a lot and I, I I respect the effort he's giving and that he's come back and trying to 
to make things work for the players. And I, I think there's some great potential in what they're going to be able to do um, in, the, in going forward. But I, I just hope that uh, they also take into consideration, you know, the professional game in general and what this means for fans and, and all the people that love to watch it. Absolutely. And uh, for my uh, my hardcore golf listeners, uh, if you're not following Adam Shupak on GolfWeek.com, you need to be. He has some of the best one-on-one interviews, and, and he's out there do, doing that beat week to week. And I always... I always appreciate when I can uh, track you down, my friend. For my listeners who may not uh, be receiving Golf Week, tell them how to do that. It's golfweek.com. It's, uh, we're, we're, we're writing so much content, and, and we also get all the stories through the whole Gannett Network and uh, lots of good material on a, on a daily basis almost hourly basis popping in there. Yeah, that's right. You've got the partnership with USA Today. There is something uh, that can drop in your mailbox every day if if you choose to do that. So, yeah, uh, we've got a whole bunch of newsletters for it. A lot of, lot of good stuff. Nobody goes deeper than golfweek.com. Thank you, Adam. Thank you for giving us a few minutes out of your holiday uh, weekend. And hope you and your family have a great turkey day. You too. Enjoy it. Thanks Thanks so much.